Yeah. Amen. Go to Matthew. Chapter 3, kind of continuing on with this morning. Matthew chapter 3. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Y'all repent. That's what repent ye means. Y'all repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Meaning, the king of the kingdom is there. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah or Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now notice it wasn't John that named his name. He said a voice. Matthew said John the Baptist when he wrote it. But John the Baptist didn't. He said the voice of one uh, crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea. Now there's an all that probably doesn't mean all, without exception. We don't really believe that every person in Jerusalem went out. But a lot of them there went out. And that's all that means. And all the region round about Jordan, you know, just a bunch of them went. And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Baptism wasn't getting rid of their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, Come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of snakes, vipers, O offspring of snakes. And you see what actually what he's saying, generation of vipers. You offspring of snakes. He's saying, you are snakes because your mama and daddies and grandmamas and granddaddies are snakes. Like produces like. So this is not a way to go about winning friends and influences people. If that's what you want to do. And sure enough, most preachers would never say that. Anything like it. But he says, old generation of vipers, God loves everybody. Is that what your Bible said? Huh? 
That's not what your Bible says? Well, that's not what mine says either. But that's what you would think it says. He said, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? That's not a message of love. But it's the message of the Bible. And it's the message that must go forth. Well, let's go to chapter 4 real quick. Jesus was led up into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted of the devil. Not tried, tempted. A lot of brothers say, oh no, I wasn't tempted, that was tried. No, it was tempted. The devil never tried anybody because you're trying somebody, you're trying to prove them, improve them, help them. And that wasn't what the devil was doing. He was trying to tempt Jesus to leave what God had sent him to do. He didn't, he didn't succeed, but that's what he was trying to do. That's what those temptations were all about. Well, when he successfully was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin, he proceeded on with this ministry. Now notice this. His public ministry started when he went to the baptism of John the Baptist. He didn't go to John the Baptist to become the Son of God. He was already the Son of God. Behold, the Lamb of God is what John said. He went to John the Baptist to authorize his public ministry. And so he submitted to the baptism of John in order to fulfill all righteousness, which means the will of God. That initiated, inaugurated his public ministry. Well, guess what? That's also what inaugurates our public ministry. When you're saved, you come before the Lord's church, you confess the Lord, you're received as a candidate for scriptural baptism, and once you are scripturally baptized, you are now a member of the Lord's church, and your public ministry has also started. If that church is, is fulfilling its obligations, they wouldn't baptize you if they had any idea that you wasn't saved. But now there's some churches, that's all they do, is baptize lost people and just make them wet lost people. Or sprinkle lost people, but that's not what true Baptists do. Anyway, so now Jesus, uh, verse 11, the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. But you understand how long Jesus has gone without food or water. And he is the son of man. 
And he did get weak. And, the, and Satan tempted him at his very weakest point. Now he doesn't have to get us down that weak for us to succumb. Matter of fact, we might succumb when we're all sitting on high. Well, what happened? You have a good service today and just the Lord blesses and you're just full of it. And you get outside the door and you're already down. But now Jesus got down as weak as a human being could get without dying. And he was tempted by Satan to remove himself from being the son of man. And that's why he said, if thou be the son of God. That wasn't what Jesus was proving. Jesus was being tempted as a man. And so he said, man shall not live by bread alone. <laughs> a lot of people don't catch that, but that's what it says. So, oh, well, he'd have misused his gift. No, no, that's not the issue. If he had turned the stones into bread to eat it, then he would have failed the temptation. He would have become not the Son of Man, the Son of God only. But he's a dual man. He's the Son of God, the Son of Man, the God-Man. Anyway, so the angels came and ministered unto him. Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison. He departed into Galilee. Time for Jesus to get on with it. Now they couldn't touch John the Baptist if God hadn't let them. They cut his head off. But it was time. So Jesus is embarked on his public ministry now. He has authority from heaven and he's got the authority from earth. And where did he get it? With John's baptism. I don't think you've ever heard another preacher say that. But I want somebody to challenge me on that. When it says all authority is given to me under, in, un, in heaven and on earth, I want to know what that means. A lot of people, oh, that just means he's got all power. Baloney. Baloney. It's not even talking about that kind of power. He says all power, exousios, that's all authority is given unto me. He's got the authority of God, and he's got the authority of his baptism that came from John the Baptist. And that's where we all get it. And if you don't, you ain't got it. So, verse 17. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The exact same message that John the Baptist preached. And you know what? 
That's the message of the Lord's churches. To this world. Now, to the Lord's people, a New Testament church has got bukus of messages to the Lord's people to enable them to grow in grace and knowledge. And yes, to the Lord's people, we can talk much about the love of God. Because that's who it's to. It's to His people in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, yes, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And we can talk to God's people all day long about that. But don't do that to this world. That is a false message to this world. A false hope. People right now, they listen to the Joel Osteens and all that bunch. They'll say, well, God loves me, so ain't no sense in me worrying about it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be all right. They think that. They're taught that. Well, then you hear them say, the message of the Bible is love. Or share the love of God. Well, I don't know where that came from. It certainly didn't come from the Bible. Nowhere does the Bible tell us to share the gospel or to share the love of God. The gospel is not ours to share. And certainly we don't have a lock, a monopoly on the love of God that we can dish out some of that. People and preachers they force their pagan ideas into the Bible. They don't want to use the language of the Bible. They use their own language. And by so doing, they produce major heresies. Until all you hear is heresy. Well, We've already shown you what John the Baptist preached. Repent. And we've shown you what Jesus preached. Repent. Uh, we were there this morning. Look at Acts 17 real quick. Paul's on Mars Hill. He sees all those heathen worshiping all of their statues, their idols. They've got one of them that says, to the unknown God. <laughs> and Paul says, yeah. He is unknown to you. The only God that there is. Now Paul does not go to those heathen and say, God loves you. 
He didn't say anything of the kind. He said, You men of Athens, that's not Athens, that's out here, that's in, over in Greece. I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. You're, you're spooky minded. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions. Now we have devotions. We had a good one this morning. Had good ones most Sunday mornings. Those are brief teaching sessions and worship sessions. Honoring God. But now all devotions do not honor God. These devotions were not honoring God. He said, I found an altar. I don't remember Paul ever talking about finding an altar in a church building, in a a New Testament Baptist church. But you can find one about most of them nowadays. Come on down here to the old-fashioned altar. And I say, what's a Baptist church doing with an altar in it? Oh, well, you know what we mean. No, I don't know what you mean. In the Old and New Testament, both altar means a place of bloody sacrifice. So where did you get that? You obviously must have got it from the Roman Catholics. And what's the Baptist church doing with the Roman Catholic thing in it? I preached that in front of Baptist preachers before. They wouldn't even shake my hand. I got done. <laughs> You might even know them. <laughs> but I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. He said, now, whom therefore you ignorantly worship. You don't know what you're doing. That ain't preaching the love of God. It kind of is a back doorway by teaching them the truth. Him declare, huh? Look at that word. <laughs> Him declare I unto you. There we go. God's message must be declared. The gospel which I declared unto you. Amen. <laughs> it's not that we sit here begging, oh, please listen to what God said. He wants you to pl- He wants you please to listen to him. I hear them. Some uh, some preachers can't preach without crying. I heard about some of them and they're preaching notes. They've got laugh here, cry here, and <laughs> it's about that bad. I guess if you can cry, you're spiritual. <laughs> Paul ain't crying. Amazing. God that made the world. That is a declaration. And all things therein. 
seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath predestinated, <laughs> determined the times before appointed, and the bounds, bounds of their habitation. Can't get away from doctor's grace, can you? John Calvin didn't write that. Sounds like me, Paul, believed in doctrine of predestination, didn't he? <laughs> hmm. That they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Paul said in Romans 10, he said, the word which is even in your mouth. Charles Spurgeon said, what must you do? The word's in your mouth. He said, swallow. <laughs> For in him we live and move and have our existence, our being. As certain also of your own prophets or poets have said, but we are also his offspring. Yeah, even the philosophers pick up on a little bit of truth. But you got to watch them because they'll take you down a dead end street. And lead you into heresy. For as much then as we are the offspring of God. We ought not to think that the Godhead... One God manifests in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. In the times of this ignorance, God passed over, but now commandeth all men everywhere. Where have we heard this before? All. John came. Preacher, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And here, Paul brings about the same message. Now, Matthew 3 and 4, he's writing to the Jews. But this ain't to the Jews. These are as Gentile as we are. But God has commanded all men everywhere to repent because he's appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead. Did you catch that this morning? Don't, don't, don't interpret that along with standard interpretations. This assurance is not assuring everybody of God's love. Not at all. That would be totally out of the context. 
But he has assured, given assurance unto all, in that he hath raised him from the dead. There shows you the power and the authority that God has to judge the world and command the repentance of the world. If that won't do it, I don't know what will. Jesus dead three days and three nights, 72 hours, and he's not here. He is arisen. If that won't, if that won't validate something for you, I don't know what will. Anyway, the message of the Bible is not the love of God. Uh, even the Old Testament. Now we go to Genesis 1 1. You know what it says, and I do too. In beginning, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now they tell you in school that there was a big bang 15 billion years ago. Well, nobody knows that. All that is, it's a myth. Do you believe that Superman can leap from tall buildings with a single band? How many believe that? Do you believe Superman can do that? I don't even believe there's a Superman. You heard about that stewardess on a plane back when Muhammad Ali was champion of the world. He said, he's on his plane and the stewardess says, sir, you'll have to buckle your seatbelt. And he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. She said, sir, Superman don't need no airplane. But we all know there's no Superman. So we know he can't leap from tall buildings with a single band, bound and, and uh, uh, do all the things that he does. Where is that? Marvel Comics? That's where that came from. And I'm going to tell you that the Big Bang Theory even didn't come from a comic. It came from a Catholic priest. <laughs> and uh, that's all that is. It's just a fairy tale. Here's the history of the world right here. In the beginning, God. It didn't ask you to believe in God. It simply made a statement. God, Elohim, the creator God, created the heaven and the earth. Now there's the beginning of the message of the Old Testament. You have to go on over here before you even find the word love, and it's not in that context. Am I against the love of God? No, I am not. 
God is love. But if you don't know God, you don't know love. And God's love is not sent forth to the whole world. Now his mercy is, his mercy is that that we're still walking. He calls it to rain on the just and the unjust. That's his mercy. That's not his love. He only extends his love in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can only have that through repentance and faith. Amen. This would be a message about God's his existence. About his sovereignty. Now if you read the Koran, that's the book of the Muslims. It says that their God... Allah, which is not our God, he's only a tribal moon God, but it says that Allah created the world from blood clots. Now that's what the Koran says, and I'm not taking it out of context, that's what it says. But our God created the heaven and the earth and everything in it. So, well, look at John 1 1. And we know what that says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. What we say in that psalm? 104, he arrayed himself in light. First John begins the same way. So what is the message of the Bible? <laughs> Repent. God is real. God is sovereign. He, God is creator. And God is the judge. And he's appointed a day in which he's going to judge the world. And he's appointed the judge. Well, we talked somewhat about repentance this morning. Look at Mark one fifteen. Read verse 14 first. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, 
The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye. You all repent and believe the gospel. Well, now what do you have there? You've got an order. Repent and believe. And that is the scriptural order. Repentance and faith. Now you go to the nearest Campbellite church and they'll say, believe and repent. And they do that on purpose. They say, well, you got to believe before you can repent. Oh, no. They believe that demon faith is all there is. The demons, they believe and tremble. That's not saving faith. Saving faith is far cry from that. So anytime you see the two together, repentance and faith or belief, it's always repent and believe. That's a big deal. It really is a big deal. And I even hear Baptist preachers reversing them. Believe and repent. They ought to be more careful than that. We need to make sure that we speak as of the oracles of God. The order is always... Sometimes he says repent, sometimes he says believe. But when they're ever together, it's repent and believe. That is the order, the scriptural order. And it says repent, it doesn't deny faith, it assumes it. It says believe, it doesn't, re- doesn't deny repentance like the Philippian jailer. What must I do to be saved? He said, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. That did not deny repentance, the necessity of repentance. It assumes it. You can't put everything you believe every time you state, make a statement. Anyway. So, God's command, the scriptural order, it is scripturally correct and it is doctrinally correct. If you repent of your belief you're lost repent means to have another mind so they say believe and repent believe and then repent of it that's what they're saying repentance is all about sin now it never says with reference to being saved, repent of your sins. That's I've never been able to find that in the Bible anywhere. Anybody else been able to find it? I've never seen where it says, repent of your sins. It doesn't say that. Were well, all of our sins bad? Of course they are. Do you have to repent of every one of your sins? Not individually. And here's the reason why. A man 30 years old or woman 30 years old that is saved could not possibly 
state all of her or his sins. We don't have that kind of a mind. Nobody does. And that's not the issue. Jesus Christ died on the cross for all of the sins of all of his people. What we must do is repent towards God. Have another mind towards God. And that's why they say, take sides with God against yourself. Look at the thief on the cross. When God did a work of, of, of grace in him, hanging there on the cross, he started out just like the other thief, railing at Jesus, just as vile and bitter as he was. But all of a sudden on the cross there, he had a, he had a change. A change came over him. Now he looks at the other thief and he said, this man has done nothing amiss. He said, we hang here indeed justly for our sins. And he just says, Lord, capital L-O-R-D, just remember me when you come into your kingdom. Not if. Nicodemus couldn't even see the kingdom. But the thief on the cross did. Why? Because now he's had another mind. And that's repentance that resulted in saving faith in Jesus Christ. Now he says, Lord, remember me. And Jesus says, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. What's happened to him? God did a work of grace in him. And as a result, he repented. He had another mind towards God. And he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I got a bunch of scripture, but I'm not going to read them all. Look at Luke 13. Verse 1, there were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered, said to them, Oh, wasn't that horrible all those people got killed? That's not what my Bible said. <laughs> he says, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? That's what they're saying. It's not true, but that's what they're saying. I tell you, nay. But except you all repent, you shall all likewise perish. Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, slew them, Think you all that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? You think this stuff just happened to them because they're bad sinners? Worse than the rest of you? I tell you, nay, no. But except you all repent, 
you shall all likewise perish. Now, what is this message of the Bible? In, what, are we picking up on this message from the Bible? Oh, I, you, you'd be amazed. Get on that internet and look at them. They got all oh, the message. The Bible is all about the love of God and the love of Jesus. And God wants you to be happy. Yeah, that's the message of the Bible. But they don't quote it. They don't cite any scripture for all that. My, my. Anyway, I'm about done here. Hebrews 6 1, he says, repentance from dead works. You see, repentance is all about sin. I'm not saying the argument with that when I say that the Bible never says repent of your sins, because repentance is all about sin. If there wasn't any sin, there wouldn't be anything to repent of. But when one repents, that's why they have a complete change within. Repentance is towards God. But oh, I've always loved God. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. You've been enemies with God. And God's been your enemy. You just didn't know it. But repentance from dead works, that's for religious people. From all those works, those fig leaf works, that they've tried to get themselves right before God. And repentance is from all that. It's a change of mind towards God. And ultimately... That is the message of the Bible, both Old and New Testament. No difference. Let's stop.